A relationship is the way two or more people are connected or the way they behave towards each other. A romantic relationship can be defined as relationships based on emotional and physical attraction that could potentially lead to long-term intimate relationships. Couples crimes. This story is nothing like Bonnie and Clyde. We're talking about a serial killer couple who committed too many atrocities over six states in 53 days. You definitely want to make sure you stay tuned and listen to this episode of The Criminority Report. everybody doing this is millie red oh oh you were you were for serious i was for (laughs) (laughs) and this is lady lily because i just did not know that you were for serious there you want me to say it again or we we no okay good because i was for serious all right okay so yeah welcome back to the criminality report the Criminority Report. The Criminority Report. Yay. For the last two months, we focused on officer-involved incidents. It was informative, but I also think eye-opening to see the amount of violence done towards law enforcement and yet see the violence and crimes done by those who have sworn to serve and protect us. This month, as we said before, is our anniversary month. It's our anniversary. <laughs> yeah. We're about to turn one, y'all. One year. A year of doing yeah, this. One year. Of this journey. Um, so I'm so excited and so happy um, that we're able to come along on this journey. Like I'm so, I feel really blessed to be working with Millie. Um, I feel that we have a really great working relationship um, since we're a little bit similar in some ways. Mm -hmm. So to commemorate the partnership between Millie and I, we have an interesting month of cases for all our listeners. Yeah, yeah. So We're focusing on couple crimes this month, you know, a.k.a. Bonnie and Clyde crimes. Wait, which one? Who's Bonnie and who's Clyde when it comes to me and you? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know who's the Bonnie and who's the the Clyde. (laughs) Who do you think who's the Bonnie and Clyde? I think sometimes it depends on the situation on who's Bonnie and who's Clyde. Yeah, I don't I don't know. You know what else is interesting? 
how my upstairs neighbors have been quiet this whole entire time. And now all of a sudden they think it's appropriate <laughs> to do <laughs> to do some dancing. The foxtrot. <laughs> We're just going to foxtrot right through our podcast. I can't hear nothing. I can't <laughs> okay, hear anything. That's good. <laughs> no. I hear him foxtrotting up there. So, <laughs> Are you sure it's foxtrotting? Or no. it's just... It's it's either that or it's t- tapping. It's one of the two. Anyway, we digress. Oh, we definitely went away from what we were talking about earlier. We did. But moving along, you know how we like to educate you all with stats and history lessons. So, Millie, take it away. All right. We cannot talk about this case until we mention the infamous Bonnie and Clyde. Yeah, Bonnie and Clyde. Bonnie and Clyde. They are so infamous and legendary that they've had multiple movies based after them and have been mentioned so many times in pop culture, especially in songs. I mean, shoot, Jay-Z and Beyonce had a song entitled Bonnie and Clyde. Mm Mm-hmm. So, a little bit about them. Bonnie was 19 years old and Clyde was 21 years old when they met in 1930 in Texas. Bonnie was of a small stature and she was a poor waitress, while Clyde was a fast-talking, poor, small-time thief. Clyde was involved in a life of crime and actually escaped out of jail with a gun that, (laughs) shocker, Bonnie had smuggled in. I wonder wonder how she she smuggled it. I was literally like, where did she put the gun? (laughs) Like, how she smuggled it in? How did she smuggle a gun in? But I guess it was easy back then, right? Oh, my God. They didn't have, like, you know, metal detectors and stuff. Right. I was just thinking the same thing. I was just (laughs) literally thinking the same thing. No, because we're literally the same human. No, we're not. (laughs) We are not. (laughs) Anyway. Well, we are in a partnership, though. Um, we are we are so um anyway he was captured and um sent back to prison and he and bonnie reconnected in 1932 Mm -hmm. well that's when they started their spree of murder bank robberies burglaries and automobile theft they had help during their spree But in the end, they ended up being wanted by the Bureau of Investigation, which would later be known as, what? The FBI. Mm -hmm. They were on wanted posters and everyone had their eyes open for them. On the early morning of May 23rd, 1934, Texas and Louisiana officers hid in some bushes along a highway in Sales, uh, Louisiana, and well, riddled the infamous Ford car with bullets with Bonnie and Clyde in it. How did they know they were in a car? Um, they, I think they had like, they had gotten like information that they were like in that area and they knew that, um, they were in a Ford because, um, well, let's just put it this way. If social media was back then, they would have been all over social media with selfies and all that because they took a bunch of pictures in front of this Ford. They took basically selfies from the 1930s, um, you know, with guns and things like that. Like they were literal like they were gangsters for real. 
And they were proud of it. And they were taking all kinds of pictures and stuff. So, yeah, the the law enforcement had their eye on them. What's crazy to me is that they were so popular amongst, you know, pop culture and in our time that people forget that they really committed some heinous crimes. Yes, exactly. Like murder, (laughs) bank robberies. Like they were not, if they were around today, we would not be saying, man, Bonnie and Clyde, they cool. Like we wouldn't be saying that. We would be saying very terrible things about them. So like I said, you know, this Ford car was riddled with bullets they died immediately. And if y'all ever get a chance to like Google it and see the car, there was no way that anybody would ever survive that. Yeah. Yeah. It was I really like, they I, they shot it up like they did Queen Latifah in and um, set it off. And set it off, yes. It was just like, really? You didn't think after like the 75th bullet that they would be dead? Think about it. They were on the run for a long time they were trying to find them they were there's something very like romanticized about like the story and you know like this couple and stuff like that so i mean you can even google like bonnie and clyde crimes and they just have couples crimes that pop up so yeah yeah Yeah. but now that we have given y'all some background for who Bonnie and Clyde were. You know, we like to give some history lessons and we like to teach and that kind of stuff. We are going to talk about our first case involving Alton Coleman and Deborah Brown, who were involved with eight murders, seven rapes, three kidnappings, and 14 armed robberies between May and July 1984. I know about this couple. And if you see the pictures of them, like they... Actually, they really look like they have no remorse for what they've done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they don't. Um, then do got a whole Jerry curl. I don't know what was going on. <laughs> I don't know what was going no. on with with other it girls. It was in hair. the eighties. It was. It was in the eighties. But I'm she telling had cornrows. In one of the in she did, but in one of the sources, it literally like, why did you have to spell out Jerry curl? Like they wanted it to be known, like. Homeboy had jerry curls when he was caught. Like, what? <laughs> like, well, he had, okay. he had the soul glow. <laughs> he did have the soul glow. Soul glow. But um, yeah. I do, I want to preface um, by saying that uh, they were very disorganized serial killers. Like, they were a very yeah. disorganized serial killer couple. Um, it was really hard to follow their timeline because yeah. they committed so many crimes and there really was no rhyme of reason as to who they um chose to target. I mean they just it was it was random. Um mm-hmm. so there are so many victims um who we won't get a chance to talk about just because there's just so much to this case. I mean there's there's so much to this case. It's, it was really overwhelming. Um so we are sorry for not being able to give every single victim their time, but to the victims, the survivors, and to their families, we hope that you feel like you've received your justice. Yeah. Um, uh, some of these 
a lot of the crimes that they did commit, they were not tried for. So um, even though you'll see, you know, what happened in the end to them, um, still, I mean, to not be charged for, you know, some of the murders and some of the kidnappings and things like that, just because it right. wouldn't necessarily like, not that it wouldn't stand up in court, but they had a better chance of, um, of winning certain cases. I mean, that's kind of devastating. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So we do hope that you have, you feel like you've received your, ju- your justice. Um, we also hope that you have been able to come to grips and get back to some sort of normalcy after all of these traumatic events, because yeah, they truly traumatized like cities in several yeah. different states. Yeah. It's a really sad case. Mm-hmm. So Coleman, he was born in 1955. He's the third of five children, so the middle child, mm-hmm. and born to a woman who was a sex worker. His mother actually put him in the trash as an infant, but his grandmother who lived with them got him out. It's so terrible. during his, it is horrific. Can't like she just that. thought that, you know, I'm, I'm just, you know, he's just trash. I'm just going to put him in a trash bag and just, you know, throw yeah. him away. Like he... Like, he doesn't matter. He does, you know, as an infant. Yeah. Listeners, during his life, he was subjected to sexual assault, molestation, and believe it or not, bestiality. Which is crazy to me. Yeah. Yes. Um, People actually named him Pissy because he had a problem with wetting himself. As he Uh, would. That's like, that's like a sign of like, you know, being molested and that kind of stuff. Yeah. He dropped out of the ninth grade and joined a gang. And when he was 18 years old, he committed his first known sexual assault, which unfortunately became the first of many, many sexual assaults. In the early 70s, he had raped and abducted a young woman. He was sentenced to prison, of course, but he was, however, released from prison after the violent attack and was acquitted of future rape charges in 1976 and 1980. Brown, she was born in 1962 with 11 siblings and was born into a stable family. She actually suffered a traumatic head injury as a child, which left her developmentally delayed and reportedly had an IQ less than 80. Brown was engaged to another man when she met Coleman. She left her fiance and family and quickly moved in with Coleman in 1983. Now, let's talk about their violent spree. In the early part of 1984, Coleman was indicted for the rape and murder of a 14-year-old girl. Instead of staying and dealing with the consequences, he fled and Brown was right by his side. On May 29, 1984, they kidnapped nine-year-old Vernita Wheat of Kenosha, Wisconsin. Vernita was the daughter of a friend that Coleman had befriended. The FBI began chasing the couple. They ended up on the 10 most wanted list shortly after they had interviewed Brown about Coleman's whereabouts and disappearance. 
Vernita's body was found on June 19th near Coleman's grandmother's apartment in Waukegan, Illinois. All right. So it's kind of hard to believe that Coleman was revered as like this really charming individual. That's actually how he was able to beat a lot of his previous crimes because he was charming and the juries always found him innocent. He just, he was a smooth talker. He knew how to get out of, out of trouble. But that's, you know who that reminds me of? Dahmer. Yes. Dahmer is like that. Yes, he was definitely like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just just getting out of it. And it's like, man, if they had just, you know, prodded a little bit more that, that after that first encounter they had with, you know, with Dahmer or even with this guy, none of this stuff would have happened. Right, right. None of these people would have lost their lives or been tormented. Mm-hmm. But during this spree, he was able to con a lot of people. He was able to borrow someone's car he had recently befriended and headed to Gary, Indiana with Brown. They also managed to rent an apartment there. Like, you are on America's, like, most wanted. Ten most wanted. Like, the ten most wanted people. And you're able to rent an apartment? I wonder if they had the same kind of process when it comes to renting apartment that they they have now. Right. Um, it was probably very antiquated, but also like um, viewers, you'll you'll find out later. Um, they had a lot of fake IDs and aliases. So, I mean, you know. well, people are able to change their identity all the time. I don't know how. Yeah. <laughs> I would be scared out of my mind. See, you no, know, you know what? I have an answer to your earlier question. I am neither Bonnie or Clyde. I'm so scary. <laughs> gotcha. I'm neither. Okay, so I'll be Bonnie and Clyde for us. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm the one that, you know, they come to my home, they just knock on my door and they're like, hey, we just need to ask you, I she did, did it. I did it. She did it. <laughs> <laughs> and you would be so calm too. Listen, she did Listen. it. She's at 123 Sesame Street. And her phone number is five 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 five. Yeah. Do you want me to call her? Do you want do you want me to wear a wire? Do you want um, me to take you there right now? Right this second? <laughs> well, we're about to meet right now. We're about to record. So if you want to stay tuned, I can get her to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would be the wrong person, people. Wrong person. <laughs> All right. So we know if you do some crime. Don't don't tell Lady Lily. No, do not. Because you finna go I, to jail. All the way. All the way. All the way. <laughs> so anyway, on June 18th, they, um, they kidnapped nine-year-old Annie and her seven-year-old niece, Tamika Turks, while they were walking home from the candy store. They had been convinced to walk into the woods to play a game with um with Coleman and Brown. Um, mm. Well, there was no game and that's where they were tortured. So Tamika's body was found in a wooded area on June 19th 
the same day as Vernita's body was found. And wow. Annie was found alive after she had escaped. Um, both of the young girls had been raped and beaten. And unfortunately, Tamika had been choked and stomped to death. I mean, oh my like, gosh. they stomped her on like her ribs until it, you know, it just was bad. Annie survived being strangled, but she had lasting effects from this trauma. Like, obviously. Um, the couple left for Detroit, Michigan, where they were harassing people, um, robbing people and stealing cars. Wow. Yeah, right? It's just, they were they were a little gang themselves. Um, the same day Tamika's body was found, 25-year-old Donna Williams and her car were reported missing by her parents. The car was eventually found abandoned but had a fake ID card with Brown's picture on it. Her badly decomposed body was found on July 11th in an abandoned house. On July 2nd, they beat a Detroit couple with a pipe in their home. Oh my then, gosh. Yeah, and it's just, you know, they they do something and then they do another heinous crime and then they do another heinous crime and it's unfortunate, yeah. I mean, there's not even a lot of information on on some of the crimes that that they did because it just they just did so many um so then the couple headed to Ohio there they had befriended and actually stayed with a reverend and his wife for a few days this is how much of a con artist uh Coleman was crazy yeah Yeah. stayed with a, a pastor in there and his wife yes but the pastor and his wife, they weren't harmed in any way. Um, but they did drive the couple to Cincinnati. And on July 7th, the bodies of Virginia Temple and her 10-year-old daughter were found in their home in a little crawl space. In Cincinnati, Ohio, they claimed their next victim, a 15-year-old girl named Connie Story. She had disappeared while she was on her way to school. Her badly decomposed body was found eight days later in an abandoned building, but luckily Coleman's fingerprints uh, was left as evidence at the the scene. Mm -hmm. So she apparently died of strangulation. Then on July 13th, the couple had bludgeoned a woman to death and stole her car. Then they ended up in Lexington, Kentucky, where the couple had abducted two men, but were talked out of killing them. Their last victim was 77-year-old Eugene Scott of Indianapolis, Indiana. He was killed for his car on July 18th, and the FBI finally found the couple on July 20th in Evanston, Illinois. That was too much that was a lot right it was a lot of detail and a lot of like murder death killing bad things happening yeah and Um, that wasn't even everything this is sad that was that was too much it was a lot so authorities had been scoping out evanston illinois due to associates of the couple 
Which is crazy to me. It looked like they had friends everywhere. Right? <laughs> Literally, like they had friends everywhere. Authorities knew they were there, basically. Mm-hmm. However, one of their acquaintances saw them and turned them in. They were found on July 20th in a state park watching a pick up basketball game. Mm. Isn't that crazy? Like, they're literally on the most wanted list in the 80s. And they're just tra-la-la-la-ing about watching a pickup game. I honestly think it was just uh, brazen and I don't think they cared. They, not at all. It doesn't even seem like they felt like they did anything wrong. Mm-mm. Because when authorities found them, they surrendered peacefully, but gave aliases and said they were not the suspects. They're like, nah, this is not my name. You know, y'all have the wrong people. Mm -hmm. The different trials they had and how the investigation went was literally a soap opera. We can't even cover all of that. But do understand that Coleman was not concerned with the death penalty and was quoted as saying, I'm dead already. Coleman received four death sentences across three states, which was unheard of at the time. Brown received the death sentence in Indiana and Ohio. The latter was commuted to life in prison. Coleman, he was executed by lethal injection in Ohio on April 26, 2002 at 10 a.m. Bye-bye. Bye, Mm -hmm. Coleman. Bye. Brown is currently serving life in prison in Ohio. And believe it or not, unremorsefully. Mm -hmm. Coleman's last words were him repeating, the Lord is my shepherd. Now, how do you feel about last meals for um, people who are being executed. Do you think that they should be given the last meal of like whatever they want? I I don't care. They got to eat anyway. I mean, they're going to die full. (laughs) I know. (laughs) I know. Bro. I know how insensitive that sounds. I don't know how I feel about it because listen, this is this is this man's last meals. A well done filet mignon smothered with mushrooms, fried chicken breasts, a salad with French dressing, sweet potato pie topped with whipped cream, French fries, collard greens, onion rings, cornbread, broccoli with melted cheese, biscuits, and gravy, and cherry coke. Well, like I said earlier, he died full. <laughs> In this case, the amount of destruction that he did, he terrorized children, um, families, adults. It's like stories like this makes me like question like my views on like the death penalty, you know? Yeah, it does make me think about it because I, I'm coming from a place of anger, I guess, mm-hmm. because of all of the people that were subjected to their crime spree 
Yeah. All of the people, all of the innocent people that were subjected to it. To their horror. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the thing is that he could have been in jail the entire time from the first crime he committed. Yep. And then he, he actually had the nerve to um to say that like the um juries that had found him guilty, he was saying that like racially they were biased. I'm like, sir, were they racially biased when you got off with all of those other crimes? Was he claiming not guilty? Yeah, he was claiming that he wasn't him. Just like when they found him in the park. That wasn't me. I didn't do any of this. But I think a lot of that had to do with him trying to charm his way out of the situation as well, like he had previously done. It's crazy. I mean, did any of the survivors identify him? Honestly, like I didn't get too much um, into like the 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 details of the trial because there were just so many issues with the trial. And as as far as like, um, you know, they were they were trying to say that um, they had violated um, some of their constitutional rights um, as far as like the the Fifth Amendment, and um, they were they were trying to say, you know, at least for like. Um, uh, Deborah Brown that she had inadequate counsel and stuff like so there was there was just a lot of issues with the trials that that itself could have been a whole podcast in itself yeah so basically there are a lot of holes in this in this case and that there are some questions that remain unanswered yeah there's there's a lot of holes in it I mean they they terrorized so many people. And I don't even know if they even got everyone that they did terrorize. Law enforcement couldn't even get them on all of their crimes because with some of them, there there was no evidence, even though there were, um, there were people who had seen, you know, a man and a woman coupled that fit the description of these suspects last scene with you know whoever it's just there was there's just a lot there was a lot to this case it really yeah. didn't sit well with me how did you how did you feel about this case just as as a whole it is heartbreaking for me to talk about these innocent people these innocent lives that were forever impacted by the callousness of these two individuals mhm it's bad i mean how they brutalized children like i'm just thinking mm-hmm. of like a 7 year old and a 9 year old and like just how scared they were you know yeah. the um the teenager she's just trying to go to school um the the mother with her with her daughter and you know they found them in the crawl in space home. in their mm-hmm. home like in their home that um yeah you know the the older gentleman where they they just they murdered him for his car um the couple that they brutalized and beat with a pipe i mean all of these people i mean and even like um with annie um i, I remember reading that even afterwards like the family had to move away um from the city because it was just it was traumatic she was having headaches and seizures and screaming spells 
who knows what she's still dealing with now. I mean, it was just a lot. I mean, these two were literally like they were boogie monsters. Her life will be forever changed. Yeah. We're hoping that she moved forward and found some sort of healing for herself. Mm hmm. Yeah, this story did not sit well with me at all. No, me um, too. So I know that this was heavy on our hearts. Um, some of these cases are definitely going to be heavy, but um, what are we going to be talking about next week, Lady Lily? We're going to be talking about a pastor who was attacked by a couple. Just attacking yeah. the Lord's people, huh? Any people. Yeah. It was terrible. Yeah. Well... Y'all have to make sure you come back and listen to our story. Yeah. We're not going to give you any more information on that story because no. we want you to check us out on Instagram at the Criminality Report Podcast. You can yeah. also check us out on Facebook at TCR Pod, aka What Lady Red. You can also check out our updated website at www.thecriminalityreportpodcast.com. You can email us at criminalityreportpodcast at gmail.com. If y'all have any stories you want us to talk about, and mind you, if you send us a story that you want us to talk about, we are going to shout you out. Yes. But what do they have to do, Lady Lily? Hit us up. Hit us up. <laughs> also, <laughs> don't forget to join the crew the crew the crew you know you want to be a part of the crew the crew we are the of cool course. kids the crew so where can they listen to our episodes at lady lily you can rate review and subscribe to this podcast on apple spotify or wherever you get your podcasts again thank you for listening until next week y'all bye ciao bella bye can be defined as relationships based on emotional and physical attraction wait, wait a minute where is that it's on my phone oh. <laughs> <laughs> i told you i was adding something <laughs> did you not see my face like <laughs> i wasn't paying attention to your face <laughs> Vernita's body was found on June 19th near Coleman's grandmother's apartment in Waukegan. Waukegan. Waukegan, isn't it? Waukegan. Waukegan. Whack it again. <laughs> Whack it. Whack it. Uh, yeah. Uh, Vernita. <laughs> did what I usually do. I did. I did. Morphing into people. I know, I know. <laughs> Having a connection. Mm -hmm. Anyway. Brown is currently serving life in Ohio unremorsefully. Coleman's last words were... Ooh, say that again. I should have said life serving life in prison. <laughs> serving life. <laughs> 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 in prison in Ohio. I was like, life in Ohio. <laughs> She's serving life in Ohio. I'm like, Ohio in prison? <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
Well, we're going to be talking about a really interesting... I did not mean to laugh at this, but... (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) She's like, we're going to be talking about death. (laughs) Again, thank you for listening. Ha <laughs> <laughs>